Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, the Hard Gainers episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 83 of the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. Today, we got a request from Branded.Wilkin on Instagram who DM'd us and said, hey, you know what? You guys are constantly talking about fat loss and what about us hard gainers? So Brandon, this one is for you and all people that are like you and me, because believe it or not, somewhere down the line, I was a hard gainer. I don't know, Nicole, if I would still be considered a hard gainer. I would definitely say no. Well, here's the thing. I well, think I think if I grew back to where I used to be in my yeah. bodybuilding and then wanted to get beyond that, yeah, yeah, then I would be considered a hard gainer at that point. Well, let me ask you this, because this brings up a good question. Are you a hard gainer in just the beginning stages of the journey? But then once you gain you gain momentum to gain and it becomes less hard. So you're no longer a hard gainer or are you always a hard gainer? I mean, I'll say this hard gainers have certain characteristics in mm-hmm. my eyes, right? Yeah. We've got like body typing, which is kind of like ectomorph, endomorph, mesomorph. And people are kind of in multiple different categories of, you know, combination of things. Mm-hmm. And your typical kind of quote unquote ectomorph, you know, I don't even know where that those classifications even came from, but though your typical kind of ectomorph that is considered a hard gainer, they have like smaller wrists versus somebody that has like that, like big, it almost looks like they have like bigger bone density. Yeah. Right. Someone who has like an easier time putting on weight or muscle. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't really know if there's kind of a threshold. But what I will say is there is some information that I've seen on androgen receptors. I mean, listen, there's multiple different reasons why somebody could potentially be a hard gainer. I mean, I think in general, genetically speaking, they just need more and they need more work and more effort. But I I have seen some information regarding androgen receptors and how over time you can have an adaptation to develop more androgen receptors. So you know, if you look at two people with the same levels of testosterone, for example, right? So testosterone mm-hmm. levels range from, I don't know, let's say 250 to 1100 is the range, right? And you have mm-hmm. two people at like mid-level, let's say they're like 600, 650, and one person has more androgen receptors than the other. The other, the person with more androgen receptors is going to respond better to the testosterone that they have to the training stimulus. However, the person that has less over a period of time, you know, and you see this with, uh, you know, people that take anabolics that because they have exposure to Mm -hmm. higher amounts and higher levels of testosterone is that they're there. What will happen with them is that they will start to develop more androgen receptors to accommodate the testosterone coming in. So I do think that to some degree, there may be an adaptation And this is just kind of my thoughts on based off of what I've read and looked at. To some degree, there may be an adaptation where if you're training, you're increasing your testosterone levels, 
that you may increase your androgen receptors. Obviously, you're going to have a different genetic ceiling than somebody who already has a lot of androgen receptors. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is training hard, doing those compound lifts, those types of movements uh, is going to be beneficial long term towards you know, the hormonal environment and you'll have mm -hmm. a shift. But that we're talking long term, that's going to be a long term change. So for hard gainers, I will say like you're in it for the long haul when you're thinking about what you're trying to do. Yeah. So you're saying timing and patience and consistent stimulus and time, consistency and, and patience, patience, like we always yeah. talk about. Right. Yeah. So um, but what was your initial question? Well, no, you answered it. Basically, uh, the initial question was, if you are, are you a hard gainer for life? Like if at the beginning stages of your of, you know, because you started really young being, quote unquote, small Cito that turned into big Cito, like it took you started off a lot younger in your journey. Like I'm thinking if you're a hard gainer and you no matter what point in life you start to really take it seriously and kind of narrow in on all of the things, eating, training sleeping, all the things we talk about, you know, is that initial period of time, the hardest, and then it gets easier as you go, or is it always going to be hard continuously? That was the main question. So I would say this, I would say from a behavior and a habit standpoint, that's where it's the hardest initially, because you have yes. to develop those behaviors. I mean, listen, people look at me now and I can take a month off from training, shrink down a little bit, and then do a couple workouts and I grow you know, relatively quickly. And people are like, oh, well, fucking Darone, he looks at a dumbbell and grows. But that's not the case. <laughs> it hasn't always been that way. What yeah. it is, is that I the the ceiling that I hit when I was bodybuilding was a lot higher than where I am now. I was a lot mm -hmm. bigger than what I am now. And I, you know, at some point was like, man, I don't want to be this big. I can't even walk up the fucking stairs. I was bigger. So if I got to that point, I think that I would have a difficult time getting beyond that point because I'm still I still have those hard gainer tendencies. So, yes, to answer okay. your question yeah. from a physiological standpoint, mm -hmm. I think if I got back up to 240 pounds and wanted to get beyond that, it would be a real yeah. push for me. Yeah. So then that answers my question. And because this is what I think when we talk about hard gainers and people always ask us questions about it, like because we do talk about fat loss a lot since that's usually the primary goal for most clients, but, but we do have clients that are trying to gain muscle. And I think, you know, we talk about from a, it from a nutrition standpoint and then a workout standpoint, nutrition part for hard gainers, I think, or at least this was for me. Now I'm, uh, I don't know if I would consider myself a hard gainer the same way you would consider yourself a hard gainer, but being from like 98 pounds as a dancer in the ballet world and wanting to get into being a little bit more of a fit chick and getting up to 130 pounds, that was really hard from a mindset standpoint, not just eating more, but just seeing my body change and creating this different physique. It was, it can be a mind fuck. It's hard, even though it's what I wanted, the, the, all of the behaviors that you're talking about that I had to implement to get there definitely was not easy. Listen, I'll say this. I think both sides of the coin are difficult, right? And yeah. I think that Generally, somebody who's not a hard gainer who you see and you're like, man, they just they bulk up and they put on mass at a very rapid pace. Those people usually have a hard time losing weight or losing right. body fat. Yeah. Those are the type of people that generally they'll be like, oh, if I even look at a carb, I'll gain weight mm -hmm. versus a hard gainer. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time gaining, 
but you're going to have an easier time losing. Like I always had an easier time in the on season, not that it was easy. I mean, I had to train my ass off even in the on season. I actually had a harder time even at that point, maintaining muscle on the on season when I was going into a competition. Yeah, so yeah. it's like you work so hard for this muscle and then you have to be very careful that you don't put yourself yeah. in too large of a calorie deficit mm-hmm. and suck yourself down to lose. I mean, listen, you do lose muscle going into a competition. There are right, very but few, not as much. Hopefully. There are very few bodybuilders that I would see that actually grew into competitions. And yeah. the ones that did, I mean, we're not talking natural bodybuilding at that point. Right. <laughs> um, like Kevin Lavrone was a huge bodybuilder in the 90s that he would be like small suck down and then grow into a, a show and lean out as he was growing and the guy was a genetic freak <laughs> and there were people like him too but i guess the point that i'm trying to make is that you're you, you everybody has their struggles yeah. but i will say and this is something nicole that you and i have talked about offline that you know people will be like oh well woe is me like you have to mm-hmm. fucking eat more calories and enjoy. And I'm like, well, it's not enjoyable at that point. It's a job. And I think that's that's part of the message that I want to send to hard gainers is like, this is a job. It's 24 seven. It involves your sleep. It involves your training and it involves really hard consistency with your nutrition Mm -hmm. in terms of how many calories you're eating on a day to day basis, Monday through Friday, including Saturday and Sunday, every single day of the week. And your your protein feeding frequency and your the number of meals that you're eating and the the training and how hard you're training like all of that is it's it's a chore it's a job and if you're a hard gainer if you're truly a hard gainer right and this is where i get i really have to emphasize are you if you're truly a hard gainer because i get a lot of times oh Darone, like i've i've done everything and Mm -hmm. i haven't you know i haven't gained whatever. And then I find that there you're just not eating enough is usually the, the case. Right. So if you're truly a hard gainer, you're going to have to put in work and it's going to be a job. Yeah. So from a nutrition standpoint, let's talk about what exactly someone that's a hard gainer really has to focus on. So first and foremost, just like any other goal, protein mm-hmm. and protein, I'm going to say um, at a very minimum, a gram of protein per pound of body weight, just to kind of simplify that. And mm-hmm. I've gone as high as 1.5 grams because we're, we're talking extra calories at that point too. So a gram to a gram and a half, there were points where I did two grams per pound, which I think is overkill. Mm -hmm. I don't really think that that's necessary. Uh, And then you've got to split up your calories. And honestly, it really doesn't matter. You do want to have a significant amount of carbohydrates. We're talking like, let's say you're a 150 pound hard gainer and you're trying to, uh, you know, gain muscle you're going to want to have a minimum of 150 grams of protein a day. And then you're going to want to double, if not triple that yeah, in carbohydrates. So we're looking at 300, 450, mm-hmm. 500, 600. Like you, you want to have a lot, like you can have meals that are a hundred grams of carbs, like a hundred grams plus. Yeah. And if you are someone that is a hard gainer and eating a lot of food is hard, that's a lot of work. 
Yeah, the volume is is it's big meals. Um, what I will say is there are strategies that you can take and look at. And potatoes are one thing that I tell people often when they're dieting or when they're they're not dieting. If they're trying to gain weight on either end of the spectrum, it ends up being a lot like I'll have people dieting and like potatoes and sweet potatoes end up being like 10 ounces. Yeah. And you get, I don't know, like 40 grams of carbs out of that, which isn't a lot for the volume that you're getting. Yeah. So when you're a hard gainer, you want to choose your food sources wisely and have things that, you know, you're going to be able to eat and digest and not have to eat such large quantities. I mean, at right. that point, I, I will, I'm not going to say don't eat vegetables, but there is a certain point where you're like, yep. All right. Like I'm eating 5,000 calories a day. <laughs> And or like 5,000 to 5,500 calories a day. And like, there's not much room to get in a lot of this stuff. It's just I mean, not a lot. It, you know, big bang for your buck isn't going to be like, a, you know, well, a so broccoli. <laughs> well, so they're on the reverse side. Like, here's what you're thinking of. If you're trying to lose body fat, you're saying, OK, well, I want low calorically dense. Foods right. And I want high nutrient density. And if you're okay, trying sure. to and if you're trying to gain weight, you're like, mm -hmm. I want the best bang for my buck in terms of calories. Right. So yep. on that on that end, you got to choose wisely and your carb sources. I did a ton of brown rice and, and I do say this. You do want to get a decent amount of fiber. So you do want to get your whole grains in mm -hmm. because you want to be able to digest and absorb the things that you're eating. And fiber is going to help you to do that. So I would do a ton of brown rice. If I'm doing pasta, I'm doing whole wheat pasta. Pasta is really easy to do mm -hmm. for a hard gainer. Because yeah. you can have a small quantity with a large amount of starch and a large amount of carbohydrates and calories. Yeah. And it's yummy. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what my go to was. I did at the time when I was bulking up, I, I would do a lot of beef because you get a lot of calories from it. But now in hindsight, with everything I know around saturated fat and different fatty acid ratios and combinations that I would probably opt to do more. Let's say if I did meatballs, I'd rather do turkey meatballs, turkey, or yeah. turkey burgers instead of hamburgers or ground turkey yeah. instead of. Right. And then, you know, add in my fat, whatever Perfect. I needed for fat, maybe put in some avocados, maybe put in some mm -hmm. olive oil, things yeah. of that sort. Um, but, the, you know, I don't really care as a hard gainer how you split up your your fats and your carbs, as long as you're conscious around the types of fats that you're eating. <laughs> because you're going to be eating a lot of that stuff anyway, and you want to hit your calorie goal. Yeah. And we've talked about this, you and I, many times of your whole foods first and then sprinkling in some of those highly palatable foods that are more calorie dense instead of, you know, we hear a lot about, um, you know, crappy food that a lot of hard gainers will utilize just to get calories in. And it's not really the most optimal way the most optimal way to do it. So you want to make sure you're definitely getting good quality foods in and then sprinkle in some of those, the fun stuff so that you can get those calories in. But you are being aware of what you're doing to your body in terms of, you know, high calories is something you still have to be careful of and be methodical about doing, which I guess is my point. You know, when we talk about you, you want to increase your calories, it's a lot, but you also want to do it in a way that's still healthy to some degree. Yeah, I, for the most part, you want whole foods. And one thing that kind of resonated with me, and I read this in, a, I think, like a Flex magazine or a muscle and fitness like way a million years ago. Uh, and it, it's really stuck with me. And it was uh, quality food builds quality mass. And yeah. I had I had a, a period of time where I 
I was, I finished undergrad and I had lost some weight in undergrad. Like I was bodybuilding before I went into undergrad and then I kind of stopped for a bit and I lost some weight and I was kind of in a rush to gain weight back mm-hmm. when I went back to, when I went, when I got out of school and I was like, man, I want to get back. I really want to get back on stage. And I spent two years bulking up and I kind of did that dirty bulk. Yeah, exactly. First of, first of all, my blood work was horrific. Horrendous. And so like in hindsight, I would have done it differently. Um, I would have honestly approached school differently and, Mm -hmm. you know, maintained at the very least. Um, But I think that the the I didn't put on as much quality size as I wanted. And I went I did consistently 7000 calories a day. People are like, oh, how'd you do that? And I'm like, well, I'm like, well, a pint of Ben and Jerry's. (laughs) <laughs> is 1300 calories 1300 1300 right depending on which one obviously they vary but yeah I used to do ben and jerry's chubby hubby was my go-to well that explains <laughs> that can and really I set the into, tone <laughs> i turned into a chubby hubby so <laughs> i i would do that like before the gym like i would have a meal i'd have chicken yeah. and rice and then i'd have a pint of ice cream and then i'd go Ugh. to the gym and i mean that that covered like 2,500 calories right there. I did weight gainers too. And now here's the thing with weight gainers. I'm not opposed to weight gainers, but I always say like, if you're having six meals a day, five of them should be whole food. And one of them should be a weight gainer. And I I will say, so recommendations on weight gainer currently the way I look at it, I mean, you're, they're just basically sugar and, Mm -hmm. uh, and protein. At the time, back in the day, I would do heavyweight 900, which tasted phenomenal, but had butter protein, uh, butter powder in it, which I'm like, ah, I don't really want to be drinking powdered butter. Butter. <laughs> Gross now that I think about it. But uh, I I think uh, Dimatize was really good. Uh, they have a weight gainer. That's great. Optimum Nutrition was really good. They would have that 10 pound bag that would last you like three days. But the <laughs> I mean, that's how they three run days because you're. <laughs> The, the scoop You're, yeah is a full cup, right? Yeah. And then you mix it with milk and then you get all those calories in there. Yeah. Uh, and you probably cover around 800 to 1000 calories with the weight gainer. Yeah. And that'll just add to what you're doing for the day. So if you're at 5000 calories a day, you're looking at one of those, you know, 4000 from food and 1000 from your yeah. uh, your weight gainer. But yeah, I mean, like you said, the the suggestion that I make is, listen, if you're having 5000 plus calories a day, you're not. And I think the starting point for a hard gainer is probably around thirty five hundred and then work your way up. Yeah. But if you're having that amount of calories daily, you're not going to get it in all clean. It's it's nearly no, impossible. Impossible. I, I think it's impossible. I also think it's it may be possible for the first few weeks, but then because you and I've talked about this before, then after that eat, eating, be, you become like a machine in terms of eating. You're literally always eating if you're eating that much volume of food. And so that can be really tough on your digestive system. So a lot of the times you it's not just eating high calories for a few weeks. It's for a few months so that you can actually really build. So as you layer in day after day after day of that type of increasing calories, I think you definitely have to mix up your sources. Yeah. And I I will say this. I think in hindsight, what I would have potentially done was cycle in and out of calories. Yeah. And say, okay, well, let me go through a mini cut just to freshen up your insulin receptors and Mm -hmm. your ability to build muscle and and not just store fat. Because at some point when you're eating constantly a ton of calories, 
we're talking a long time, right? Like if you're like a year in and you're like, okay, I'm not putting on any muscle. I seem to just be getting fatter because that's essentially what I did. Right. And uh, at that point, I probably should have looked at it in, in hindsight. I should have looked at it and said, okay, well, let me just do a mini cut. It ended up fine. I mean, I ended up getting on stage. I was the heaviest I've ever been. I was the biggest I've ever been on, on like stage weight too, but I had a lot of weight to lose because I had bulked up and I, and I, yeah. and I went a little too on the dirty side. I probably could have done a thousand calories less daily mm -hmm. and would have been better off. Yeah. So lesson learned to our listeners. Yeah. And listen, like you're saying, Nicole, is that consistency. It's one thing to do it yeah. for a week or even a month. But can you persevere through that for six months? Can you do that for a year? Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is where we kind of talk about your goal as in terms of increasing muscle. If you're new to exercise, like I put on probably around 40 pounds in the first two years of training, I was 125 pounds when I started. And then I put on about 40 pounds in the first two years. And then it started to slow down and taper off mm -hmm. your goal for the physique that you want to achieve is a long-term goal. It's a lot right. easier for you to lose body fat than it is for you to build muscle. And it's going to be a lot shorter. I, we could do 12 week diet and you could be stage ready. Yeah. Versus the years you have to put into build muscle. I trained yeah. for, I it was either four or five years to grow before I even put on, before I even went on stage. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a big, I mean, you have to let that set in because we talked about this on other episodes that we've done where it's take when you say that. And I really think it's important for people to he really hear that years before you get on stage is, I mean, listen, uh, we've got competitors in our caseload and I have people that come to me all the time that like, I want to get ready for a show in November and I have three months and I, I have to control my eye rolls, <laughs> but because it depend even for a cut it, for me, I like to build up before we cut down. Like, I really think there has to be a very methodical plan and you really have to be smart about your body. And to your point as what you're just saying now, you went through it and had all these lessons that you learned things that you will look back in retrospect and think I should have done different. We as coaches know things better now. And so as people come to us and approach us to do these things, it's really important for, for responsible coaches to make sure your clients are ready to be able to take on something like that. So I think it's important that on both sides, if you are a hard gainer as a, a client, or if you're a coach that's trying to take on clients like this, that there's a really like, what do you call it? Like hardcore conversation about what the timeline is, what it looks like, what you have to put into it, what preparation you need to do, how you want to approach it, what the plan is, instead of just being like, yeah, sure. Like jump on in and we can do this in a couple of months. Yeah. And listen, I do think there are a lot of coaches out there that will just take on people that want to compete and just be like, well, I'll take your money and get you on stage and you'll look like you're not even ready. You don't even belong on that stage. Well, I see it all the time. Right? That's and OK. That, that, but that, was, that was my thing where and this is where the sport started to change. And Nicole, I think we've talked about this on a previous episode where the yeah. sport kind of transitioned from when I was coming up, it was bodybuilding was all that existed for men. And mm -hmm. It was there wasn't physique. There wasn't classic physique. You had to grow. You had to wait and put in your time and pay your dues to grow to actually look somewhat like a bodybuilder. 
Yeah. Right? And I started as a lightweight, then I went into middleweight, then I went to light heavyweight, and it took years to get there. So you're as a hard gainer, you just want to think, I guess the point that we're trying to make here is that you really want to think that you're, you look at it long term and look at the small strides that you're making day to day. And with the training, I guess we'll go into that now because the strides yeah. in your training is important too. the the back then was bro splits mm-hmm. and it was Monday legs, Tuesday chest, Wednesday back shoulders, arms. Right. And it would be like five days a week when it was in in season competition. It'd be six days a week. And the sixth day was like an hour and a half of cardio. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is the one kind of myth that I'll talk about and I'll clear up here because I had thought this way too. So I guess this is the episode of my mistakes in that as a hard gainer, <laughs> as a hard gainer. Although I listen, I did a great job growing. Uh, I just it could have approached it a little bit better. I, I do think that I should have done cardio all, all, all year round. And mm-hmm. there's there's this thought when you're a hard gainer, man, I'm burning more calories when I'm doing cardio. And that's that's not necessarily all you should be thinking about in terms of cardio, because cardio also increases vasodilation and increases blood flow and nutrient flow and oxygen flow to your muscles and makes all that whole process of delivering the things that you're eating, the nutrients that you're eating to your muscles so that they can grow. And you'll actually, yes, you're burning a little bit more calories, but the amount of calories is really insignificant compared to what you're eating anyway. Yeah. And it's going to prevent you from putting on excess body fat. fat. Although if you're a hard gainer, you shouldn't really worry about body fat. You should just worry about that when you have to take it off later because yeah. you'll be fine. Like I said, 12 weeks, you'll take it all off. But the training now where the the science has gone is that most people will probably benefit from not doing a bro split and will benefit more from training different body parts multiple times a day. Right. So when we talk about from a multiple nutrition times a week or day, multiple times a week. So when we talk about nutrition from a uh, like a protein muscle protein synthesis standpoint, we talk about, okay, well, what are the two most important things when it comes to protein? Well, uh, protein, total protein quantity for the day and, and protein feeding frequency, how many times you're eating protein is going to throughout the day, you're going to increase muscle protein synthesis multiple times. And the number is like three to five. If you're a hard gainer, you're probably eating at least five meals, if -hmm. not six or more. And that's kind of where you cap out in terms of muscle muscle protein synthesis for that. Now, if you you think about it this way, if you're training a body part one time a week, you're only increasing muscle protein synthesis for that body part one time a week. So if I'm training my chest every Monday on national chest day, and that's the only time that I'm training my chest, I'm missing out on a benefit by not training it again and not hitting that body part again, because I, I will fully recover you know, sometime midweek, like three or four days later. So why not hit it again? Mm -hmm. So what the research shows currently is that instead of doing, let's say 20 total sets for your chest workout on one day a week, you'd benefit more from doing 10 on, let's say Monday and then 10 on Thursday yeah, and splitting that up. Right. So like my current split, for example, is legs twice a week upper push pull twice a week. And I do uh, 12 sets of push, 12 sets, uh, 12 sets of push, 12 sets of pull. Mm -hmm. And, you know, arms, 
arms, to be honest, I'm thankfully genetically gifted in that area. So I don't train them much these days, yeah. especially. So I don't do an arm day. I kind of just throw in like four sets on either one of those push pull days. Um, and then I'll do a shoulder day because shoulders, I don't think I really need to grow much either. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll focus on my push pull. And for me, the most important things that I'm training now frequently is legs twice a week is important for me because legs have always been a weaker point mm -hmm. and back. I, I would have taken second instead of third place in my last competition. If it wasn't for the fact that the guy I had way better conditioning everywhere than the guy who took second. But when he turned around, his back was just massive. And I was yeah. I, that's where I lost it. I'm literally like when I looked at the videos, I look back after the show. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, he beat me on that back. They they literally put him in second place because it, it was like Mount Everest. Yeah, shredded. <laughs> so he wasn't he wasn't even that conditioned. I'm like, this no. guy doesn't even look like he's like ready to get on stage, but he was a big guy. Yeah. So I you know, I probably would have done better in a heavyweight than a light heavyweight. But the amount of work and time to to get to to grow to a heavyweight. Yeah. And uh, you know, just what I didn't didn't want to go there at the time. I think just from a workout standpoint, I think that's um, has evolved quite a bit. I mean, I don't really know anyone that just does one day of chest. I like I don't I mean, bro split to me. It wasn't ever just one like a chest day. About, there was always a mix. And I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't think I I think I bro splits, did that. I think I bro feel splits like we're always we're always like one body part. Really? You hammer. Your I've chest. never came. Yeah, see, I never came. I feel like this is where you and I differ a little bit because I came in a little bit kind of especially from uh, in, in the dance world. I never lifted a weight at all. Like we had to say extremely flexible. I never touched a weight too much. I mean, we dabbled in it, but nothing heavy. When I really got into like lifting, lifting, I did a mixture of things like CrossFit. Like we did a lot of uh, boot camps. And I mean, none of that really had much structure until I started really getting into lifting. Then I started mixing things up. And yeah, gross, I mean, gross splits were a little bit different, or at least that I didn't learn them that way. Listen, for me, it was all bodybuilding. Now, I think the next thing that I want to say is you do want to do a ton of compound exercises. So you do want to do yes. multi joint exercises like squats, squats, deadlifts, bench press is okay. Uh, I, I think for muscle growth, I don't think bench press is the best exercise. I actually think that you'll grow better with dumbbells because you follow the natural range of motion of your shoulders where you're able to come up and in and get a nice squeeze um, because there is a lot to be said for a mind muscle connection and really feeling that squeeze and really engorging that, like getting the pump, right? We talk about that. You got to go in the gym. You got to get the pump. We also talk about the fact that you've got to be, it's got to burn. You've got to struggle with the last few reps, right? It's really important to train intensely. The intensity of your workout is important, mm -hmm. um, but doing a lot of uh, compound exercises is important. And you want to think about your training cycle and what that looks like. So you can take really one of two approaches. You can either do a power building where it's kind of a crossbreed between yeah. Uh, powerlifting and bodybuilding. And you have some exercises that you're doing like your compound lifts where you're doing lower repetitions and you're getting stronger. And then the rest of your lifts, you're kind of carrying that strength over into the rest of your lifts where you're able to do hypertrophy rep ranges and get stronger. Or what I've been doing lately and found success with myself and clients as well 
is doing different training blocks. So in my macro cycle for the year, I'll be like, all right, we're going to do a few uh, strength blocks and we're going to do a few hypertrophy blocks and maybe we'll do two to three months of strength training. And then we'll transition into hypertrophy and not much will change with those exercises. Yeah. But what will change is mainly we'll change a couple of accessory uh, exercises, right? Just to kind of mix it up a little bit. But for the most part, like let's say you're doing in your strength block, you're doing four, five, maybe even six. Sometimes I'll go as high as six uh, for strength training, which some people will say, well, like one to five is really that that kind of sweet spot. Um, but I'll do, let's say, four to six reps for squats. And then I'll, we can do that for two months. And then for the next two months following that, we go into hypertrophy where we increase your reps to eight to 12 Mm-hmm. for your squats. And then the goal would be progressive overload. So you've increased your strength in that strength block, and then you've moved into your hypertrophy phase of your training. And you're trying to increase, gradually increase your weight to that strength, that weight that you just lifted. So there's yeah. a difference between strength training and hypertrophy training. And I kind of want to clear this up here that when you're strength training, like, are you going to build some muscle? Yeah, potentially. But the real purpose of that is uh, neurological adaptation and muscular adaptations to the weight that you're lifting so that you're able to transition that into your hypertrophy or muscle building phase and lift heavier for more reps later on when you're doing that. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. And that's really, I mean, Nicole, that's, that's it for the training. I don't know if I have anything else to add to the training piece. I think we hit everything. I mean, like. In a nutshell, you have to, you, you eat in a calorie surplus, you have to train hard and different phases of what you just described in, in terms of strength and hypertrophy and hitting multiple times a week of the muscle group. And then making sure that, you know, you're paying attention to the types of food, the quality food, the choices that you're eating, all of the things that you kind of, that they're just the opposite of fat loss, to be honest, it's just the other side of the, the, the table or, you know. Yeah. And listen, uh, you got, you got to make sure that you, that you're, that you're eating. I mean, I, I it was yeah, a job yeah. to eat. And, and the, the one thing that I'll say is if you're a hard gainer and you're struggling to get all that food in, you mm-hmm. kind of have to force feed yourself and your stomach will expand over time. Your stomach expands and shrinks. Anytime that you diet, your stomach will shrink because you're eating smaller portions. Mm-hmm. And anytime that you're growing and building muscle, your stomach will grow because you're eating larger portions. Your appetite will change your uh, hunger cues yeah. will start to adapt around adapt. the times that you're eating. I mean, I would get hungry like clockwork. And I mean, there were times where, listen, I would eat until I was stuffed and then I'd puke and then eat to make up for what I puked up because That's I was horrible. like, That's horrible. That's horrible. I don't even was, want to hear it. It was crazy. Horrible. But the, you, you gotta, you have to eat, you have to force food down if you're not that hungry and you have to be super, super consistent with the food that you're eating on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Let me just follow up with, by saying, if you have a struggle eating that much food, then maybe this is where I really do tweak things for clients. If that becomes really difficult to get in that type of volume of food, then you have to slowly increase your calories. So again, this goes back to time, people. If you have a six-month goal and you're going to build your calories up, adding, you know, going from 3,500 to 5,000, you can't just go from 35 to 5,000 in 
a month if you're struggling to get food in. You may have to squeeze that out and make that a little bit a slower progression to get up to that 5,000 so that you're not doing what Jerome did by force feeding yourself till you throw up. That is not something that I suggest anyone hey, does. Listen, I go hard <laughs> in everything I do. I know you do, but I, listen, you, you have to be smart about this. This is why I wanted to talk about this episode is that I do think there's a responsibility here to your health. So slow and steady, give yourself the time to adapt, give yourself the time to take in the calories and get used to being able to eat that volume. Because like you said at the beginning, a lot of people will come to hard gainers. I mean, even me when I was trying to just gain weight, oh, that must be so hard. If you are not used to eating that amount of calories, it sucks. It's not fun. I didn't want to eat it. I wasn't hungry for it. If you're not hungry for food and you are trying to eat more, it takes time to adjust, just like if you were taking food away and cutting, you have to adjust. So give yourself time to slowly build into those calories, because if you don't, uh, let me finish, Mr. Darone. If you don't, then you're going to make this more miserable than it needs to be. And remember, this is a lifestyle change, and you're supposed to do this in a positive, healthy gain way, not a negative, miserable can I get can I jump in now? Yeah, go ahead. Fuck that. It's get big or die trying. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> On that note, that is hard gainers in a nutshell. If you guys have any questions, if you're a hard gainer and you need some help and some guidance and direction, Feel free to shoot us a DM on Instagram at eat right nutrition, E-A-T-R-I-T-E nutrition. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 